Hello, friends, and welcome back to Forge, your esports industry podcast. I actually don't know which episode this is because it's been a little bit of a weird time the past few weeks. Um, I'm also doing this episode alone. Uh, Zach isn't here today. Um, so, yeah, to just give you a very, very brief context on why we haven't had uh, uploads in the past two weeks. Uh, the reason for that being on my end that first I moved places and I didn't have internet. And then the other reason is, I think I mentioned on this podcast before that I will be a dad by the end of the year. So my wife is currently pregnant with our first kid. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the reason why I wasn't here uh, for, for a good two weeks. Um, Zach, on the other hand, is incredibly busy with work at the moment. So that's why he can't make, couldn't make a solo episode in the past two weeks and also not this week because he's just um, doing stuff nonstop. Um but we're finally back, even though it's it's a little bit late. Uh, two weeks, no podcast. Uh, we'll obviously try and go back to a regular format now, where we upload weekly um, and do that on a Wednesday. Uh, this week also shall be the exception. But I think, at least with all of the news that dropped in the past, uh, or like with the news that dropped in the past 24 hours and like waiting for confirmation, it's somewhat worth it. So, okay, what am I going to talk about today? There's actually two topics that I want to dive into. Again, since this is me doing everything solo right now, it's um, it's not going to be a super long one, uh, but I still wanted to hop on uh, the call or <laughs> hop on the hop on the microphone and record a little something um, so that you know the show must go on. All right, so there's two topics. Um, one is yeah, let's actually start with that. Um, Every time I'm doing something solo, I'm talking about salary caps and that stuff. Um, and that is also the reason why it was, in my opinion, worth to wait until what is now Thursday morning. Because uh, this news has just dropped. Um, it, uh, I think it has just dropped, what, uh, 30 minutes ago. We now have confirmation for League of Legends in the LEC um, that they are introducing uh, sporting financial regulations. What they're calling it. So there's been rumors uh, that I've been reading for the past one or two days since I'm back at home um, and actually have proper internet working that I've been reading about the LEC also thinking of implementing a salary cap and and those kind of kind of things. We've talked about this in the past that this is something that is gonna likely going to happen for the LCK um, where it also got announced where also smaller leagues like the LFL, so the uh, EMEA regional leagues like the ERLs where they were thinking of implementing a salary cap and now we actually have the confirmation from Riot Games themselves that this is going to happen for the LEC and so I'm going to head straight into those news um, so the goal for that obviously is and, and we've talked about this in, in past episodes so I'm just going to do a very very brief recap is to look at long-term financial stability um, since um, since costs over the past few years, um, if you go back ten years, LEC or like what back then was the LCS salaries, uh, they were yeah very much in the in the realms of like uh, like even even in like twenty fifteen, uh, you would on average maybe make like three thousand euros a month. And uh, it has exploded in recent years, uh, so that we had an, an average salary of like 
250,000 uh, euros per year, roughly in like 2019, 2020, and then even that growing a little bit, but also kind of stagnating um, in, in those realms again. So yeah, um, th they're looking at long-term financial stability um, for the teams so that it's not that they're not overspending as much as, as they often are. Obviously, when teams want certain players, they have to put, go deep into their pockets to convince players to join them. Because that, that is the thing that most of the players, since eSport careers are very, very short-lived, that most of the players are looking for when it comes to a new contract. They firstly want to check that the compensation is where they think it should be. Um, so yeah, um, the news dropped to support long-term financial stability and competitive balance of the LEC. The league will introduce new financial regulations known as sporting financial regulations for the start of the 2024 LOL esports season. So yeah, that is going to happen starting from January. They are abbreviating it as the LEC SFR. And it is pretty much... Or, or it is very similar to how traditional sports like the NBA, like the NFL are doing it. So there's going to be a, a somewhat soft cap and a hard cap in terms of the salary cap. Um, so one thing, I guess, to mention, and this is like already right in the second paragraph of this news, um, the LEC SFR will encourage teams to maintain the total sum of its five highest paid player salaries below a certain threshold, with teams exceeding the threshold having to pay an excess fee. So again, um, I think the, the important thing to state here is that the salary cap seems to only affect the five starting players and not any supporting staff uh, or anything else. Um, we don't 100% know yet where this salary cap is at. So, like, there's no official confirmation on what number this cap will be. Or, like, well, let's call it the threshold in, in that regard. So, there's no confirmation on the side of Riot how big that threshold is. But I think we saw on the news, um, or I saw that yesterday on the news by, by Blix, um, that the threshold amount is supposed to be 2 million euros. Or I'm assuming it's euros because we're talking about the LEC and everything they're doing there is euros. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it could be $2 million, but honestly, where the, where the, the, the exchange is right now in terms of euro dollars, there's not too much of a difference anyway. But yeah, um, so if that is true, um, that means five players, 2 million euros means, yeah, 400,000 is kind of like the average that teams will be able to spend per player without going into what we often call the luxury tax. So let's just assume that this cap is going to be at the 2 million mark. What happens if you're going over it? And the article has somewhat of an answer for that. So they're, they're saying like, hey, if the sum of the top five player salaries exceeds the SFR threshold... The team has to pay 50% of the excess to the league as an SFR fee. So let's say, in as an example, you are spending two million and two hundred thousand over the year on your five players. Then the excess is obviously two hundred thousand, and then 50% you have to pay a hundred thousand as 
access fee to the league. But if the sum exceeds 150% of the SFR threshold, which in that case would be 3 million euros, the team has to pay 100% of that access to the LSE as an SFR fee. So imagine you are spending 3 million euros on your team. Not only have you like you have more cost than any other team anyway, but then also you have to pay 1 million euros in tax over to the LEC as this SFR fee, which is quite massive. So um, that's kind of like what I mean with like the soft and the hard cap, because um, there's these different thresholds and like how hard the tax will be able to hit you. Um, so I would assume that... Um, Honestly, and, and, and if like the, the numbers are correct of what um, has somewhat leaked through the Blix article, if those numbers are correct, then I don't expect a lot of the teams to be um, over the top. But uh, yeah, it, it gives less chances to go and just build a super team roster of like just high caliber players that want a lot of money and kind of like balance things out, which is better for the teams, which... Uh, in my opinion, is I, I can see it from both sides, and, and I said this in the last episode, I think, where, where did the solo podcast. Obviously, players always want to look for where the money is um, because their career time is limited, so it absolutely makes sense. And I'm I'm a lot on the side of the players when it comes to um, when it comes to that that they should you know get what they deserve and and kind of like get what they want because a lot of them are not necessarily set up for post player uh, for post player careers. Um, but yeah, it makes it a lot easier for teams um, in terms of yeah, really having to regulate their money and yeah, just not just not go and spend it all, <laughs> um, which yeah is is often the case, unfortunately. So the the other question that needs to be asked, kind of like, is like, all right, what will happen with these fees? Like, how will they be spent? So, um, all of the fees that the LEC collects will be then distributed in the following way. So, like, half of that will be distributed to LEC teams that comply with the team floor and the threshold rule. Um, so, um, the, the range includes both an upper spending threshold, is what they said, like, that is the, the cap. Um, and a lower spending threshold, the SFR floor, with the lower spending threshold amounting to 50% of the SFR threshold. So that means probably 1 million. Um, so they're also calculating all of that. Uh, and I am assuming that the floor is kind of like the minimum they have to spend. Um so kind of like uh, making sure that at least every one of the players is getting a certain, yeah, a minimum wage, a minimum salary that is that is regulated league-wide. So yeah, um, 50% of the fees will be distributed to those teams that are complying with all of these regulations. So it's like you're, you're as an LEC team, you're going to comply with the regulations and you are crossing your fingers that other teams don't, because then you will get, well, some of some money. Um, so you kind of like hope that other teams maybe, <laughs> maybe want to try go build a super team, spend a lot of money, go over this, over the over the, the have to pay a lot of taxes. Let's call it like that. 
and then those tax like them still not winning and then the taxes going into this pool that will be distributed among the teams so that you're benefiting from that um the other cool thing that i actually think is is there is like 50 percent will be distributed to support the emia lol esports tier 2 ecosystem um as probably most of you that are listening to this podcast know all of the lec teams have to field a second team in the EMEA regional leagues so that um, 50% of those taxes collected are going to those teams, not only those teams, but like just into the ecosystem of having better events for players, which will ultimately just make the scene better and means better players uh, will, will come through the system. Um, I think that is, that is a good, that is a good solution. So yeah, overall, with everything that we know so far, I'm really happy with. One thing that is probably worth mentioning as well is SFR exceptions. Exception will be made to teams if a player enters into a contract with the team either during or before the end of the 2023 LEC season finals, which um, has already happened. In this... In this instance, SFR spend will be reduced by one-fifth of the SFR threshold or the actual salary amount, whichever is lower. Um, so yeah, um, it kind of is more affecting all of the new contracts that are being pushed now. So let's say you already have cont- your, your team and you already have contracts until 2025 which I would have to check the global contract database. Um, let's see if I can actually find that. Let me see, contract database. Um, and then we can have a look if there's actually teams um, that are global contract database. There we are, current EMEA. So let's have a look. Um, like for example, um, obviously the first team that is mentioned here is Astralis. Um, they have one contract, which is the contract of 113, um, valid until November 18, 2024. So he is the player that is the exception to this rule. All of the other players, their contracts are running out now. They will be subject to like new contracts and then, um, this rule will likely apply, apply. Let's uh, look at uh, my favorite uh, team from the past, uh, my former employer, Fnatic. So Fnatic, for example, there is a very similar situation where um, in terms of, they have kind, they they have a few players that are listed here. And I mean, like most of them are probably also that they are, um, showing the um yeah they're also showing the ERL teams it's quite a few but like from the from the standard roster so like Oscar Renin has contract until 2024 so he's um an exception Resorg 2024 Humanoid 2024 Noah 2025 so the only one for whom this would apply in the current season is Trimby because according to the global contract database his contract is up in 2023 like even reckless um who's currently not uh, not playing has contract until 2024 um so yeah uh, g2 is another like very good example for that like everyone on that roster or yeah every yeah everyone on that roster has a contract at least until 2024 so if i understand that article correctly 
Um, the policy will be introduced starting from the 2024 LEC global contract started Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. So every contract that is made after that, um, which most of the contracts are that are ending this year. So this is what they mean with like, oh, on or before the end of the 2023 LEC season finals. Um, SFR spend will then be reduced by one-fifth of the SFR threshold or the actual salary amount, whichever is lower. Which, um, yeah, depends on the teams, which, which will be lower. But yeah, overall, um, it's an interesting thing. As already mentioned in past episodes, I think there's a few risks to that. So if, like, same, same as with the LCK, if I am a player, I think I am worth that money and I think I can get that money, I will likely looking to, um, I'm likely looking to get that money in another region. I don't think is there actually any news. Um, I'm sorry if, if I've been living a little bit under a rock uh, in the past uh, few weeks, but um, I don't think there is an LCS salary cap that is gonna hit, or is there? So no, it only. Yeah. So the LCK has has decided to follow the LPL in implementing a salary cap starting from the 2023 season off season right after Worlds 2023 ends. The LEC is next. So yeah, is maybe this is just a big scheme by NA to finally get the good players again and boost their region. Jokes aside, um I will I would actually not be surprised if we see a similar regulation for the LCS very very soon. Um, but yeah, if I'm if I think I can make that money, and if LCS teams, for example, are looking to spend that money, and there's no salary cap coming for the LCS for 2024, we could see again a little bit of an exodus, where some players, be it uh, from Korea, be it from China, or be it from Europe, uh, just look at going towards the LCS if there is no salary cap, and if they have better offers over there. All right, I think that kind of like wraps up the, the conversation that I wanted to, like, it's not a conversation, it's just a monologue by me, you know, looking at this news, what has happened, um, and, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about salary caps in the past. Uh, I think it is a good way to start, but it's certainly not the end. Like, there needs to be, there needs to, there need to be way more measures to improve financial st stability and stability of the league overall. Um, and also in, in terms of the LEC, um, if, if we're looking at um, if we're looking at other regions like LC, LPL, and LCK, um, they also have a few more teams. Um, I honestly would be happy at some point in the future to see the LEC expanding. I mean, yes, we have seen um, we have seen organizations sell their slots because they didn't think it's viable for them anymore. But um, yeah, would be would be good to like see a, a few like we already had this new format uh, in twenty twenty three, um, and um, yeah, it would be cool to see what happens next. Also, on on a side note, which I just see, I didn't see that yesterday, but wonder, uh, wonder, uh, former G two top laner and Fnatic top laner, 
got removed from the GCT, GCD as a temporary substitute. He was subbing in for Oskar Rinin at some point during the LEC finals um, and during the playoff run. So yeah, uh, that has happened. I don't have more insights. Um, again, unfortunately, you know, I've kind of like been living two weeks or yeah, with, with the entire move and everything happening pretty much like three weeks under a rock and not really connected <laughs> to the outside world and connected to the world of esports. Um, but yeah, cool. Let's, uh, let's put a pin into League of Legends and let's move on to the other game that I wanted to talk about this uh, in this episode, which is Valorant. So um, I think if, if Zach can, can make it next week, um, then I think next week or very, very soon would be a cool time to just talk about roster changes. A, in general, and also B, in terms of what is currently happening, because Rocket League is going through a big off-season, Valorant is going through a big off-season, Counter-Strike is... Um, Counter-Strike 2 literally launched last night. Um, so... Um, yeah, there's there's all and there's always a lot of stuff happening in in Counter Strike. You know, whenever there's a window, um, and it will be interesting to see how the next few weeks are shaping up uh, with Counter Strike competition. Now that Counter Strike Two is slowly creeping creeping in and and being available for for everyone else to play. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to to touch on Valorant and the big drama going on there. So because it's somewhat of yeah, I'll have to say it as it is. It's somewhat of a shit show. Um, so the the big issue, and I think we briefly talked about that um, the last time we had a, we had a podcast. Uh, apologies if I'm wrong there, but the next uh, the next one is about obviously Evil Geniuses and uh, the Championship Valorant roster that is now I quote in contract jail for this off season. So. It's a little bit of a weird situation where um so they just they just won the they just won the world championship that didn't happen too long ago that was what, July July August um just winning a, a world championship now the off season is starting and let's have a look at what I don't think there's any like big tournaments until the start of 2024. Um, the only thing that there is, I know of some like smaller uh, tournaments, and obviously Game Changers is on uh, at the moment as well. But other than that, uh, there there are some off there are some off season events. Like I I know about the Superdome event in in Egypt. Uh, is there anything else? Let's have a look at Liquipedia quickly. Yeah, there, there are some other events. Oh, Liquid Open. Cool stuff that is happening at some point in, in October. So yeah, um, of course, off-season events, but the big one that everyone is looking for, VCT circuit, only starts again in January. So, but naturally, slowly but surely, these teams want to look at uh, who's going to play for them in the upcoming season. And, um, yeah, what's happened with Evil Geniuses is so weird, in my opinion. They um, they won champions. They are winning the world championship. And then shortly after, 
EG is kind of like, well, you can look if you want to continue somewhere else. If you want to continue with us, you will have to take a pay cut. Which I get it that esports organizations are trying to save money, like wherever they can. But is when you are in a franchised system and your team just won the world championship and finished second in the in the major events before, is that really the team where you want to like go and 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 try to reduce costs? I obviously I don't know where like how much money these players are making. I'm assuming, of course, it's a lot. Um, and I am assuming that they pro they potentially just had um, bonus clauses in their contract that would net them an extra high salary now. But it's kind of weird that, um, yeah, if, if, if you think, if you put a bonus clause, like, oh, yeah, like your salary is going to double or to triple, like when you win this tournament. And you're like, well, this is never going to happen anyway. Then just don't put that clause in the contract. Uh, th that's why I think this is so weird. Because um, there's always the potential that something like that happens in esports. Um, as unlikely as it may be. And if one thing has to be like really tight in terms of it has to make sense, it is the contract. So obviously I don't know, I haven't read the contracts and I can't, so I don't know like what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, it is it is so weird. So it's either like, like, okay, you're looking for another team or you continue with us, but at a lower pay cut. So obviously the EG Valorant players, they are looking to ideally stay together because <laughs> they just won the biggest event of the year. They are in amazing form. So they're looking to just check, all right, which other organization is there that can buy them out. Um, some of them will, will try to do that on their own, of course, because it is it is hard to, to, to get like a, an entire organization to just drop their team, pick up EG, and then, you know, it, it, it's some weird dominoes, and that's not always possible a lot of the other orgs and teams they want to hold on to some of their players of course um but they will see some opportunities of like oh yeah maybe i like i like to have boostio on my team and so they're trying and look to go for boostio so this is a thing that has already been going on for for a couple of weeks but um it's now been reported by uh, richard lewis um in his uh in his substack report that uh, they are really in contract jail, that some of the other organizations have approached EG and looking to get a... looking to pay a buyout for some of the players. Um, looking, I'm trying to look at the... like quickly going through the... the, the article again and seeing if I can... if I can fetch one name. Because um, I think there, there were some names mentioned... Oh yeah, it's um, Demon One and Ethan, uh, where two who were denied their buyouts. Uh, so yeah, Evil Genius got approached with um, from other orgs that they wanted to buy out some of the players. Apparently, Hundred Thieves planned to buy out Boost Deal as well. Um, 
even though Boosty apparently even looked uh, to leave EG before the pay cuts came to light, um, and EG is straight up saying no. Um, so this is very, very weird. Um, the issue is, um, just to just to give you a little bit of insight into player contracts, how that usually works, is that every player contract, um, there's, there's obviously, you know, buyout amounts. Um, but not every contract mentions the buyout. So sometimes you set a buyout when the contract is being written. Um, let's say you are a player that over the course of the year is making 100,000, and then the organization has to set on a number that, right, if we buy, if someone wants to buy this player from us, what is the number that we that we want? And personally, I I think it's very hard to like set a number like that at the beginning of the contract, because most of the contracts now are are two or three years long. So if you're going in and you are setting a, an amount that is too low uh, in, into the contract, then you're very likely going to lose the player um, when they turn out to be very good or when they turn out to be stars in their respective game. On the other hand, you know, like putting it, it's often easier to just put a buyout into the contract that is too high and then just settle for something later down the line. But what a lot of organizations, and like I've, I've had this in, in contracts that I was dealing with before, and like even some contracts today, um, oftentimes there is no, there's no set amount for a buyout. And it's just like, oh, the, the buyout will be determined when kind of like when it's necessary. Um, and it then incorporates, or it's, it's a number that should be respectable of, the investment that the organization has put into the player, um, what they're losing in terms of like commercial opportunities, promoting the player and and reach social media, what they're losing when this player leaves the roster, cost of a replacement, and and all of those kind of factors. So I understand how it is often the case that it is very very often the case that there is not necessarily a set buyout amount in there. Um, you just have to be realistic then when when you approach and and someone else wants to buy some of your players it's like yeah at 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 some point you know like what happens with eg there is is just kind of weird of like telling them like hey you you can leave um but um if you stay we have to reduce your salary um i would be like the question is, what is the motivation of EG, right? So are they just looking to reduce their costs? Then take the buyout. Take whatever buyout you get and sign a roster for less money that will likely not win. Do you really want to keep these players and force them to play for a lower salary? Then this is what EG is doing right now, but the first opportunity these players have, they will leave. And also, it doesn't make your team managers or, or whoever is working in the organization, it, it makes no one's job easier because players are jailed, as Richard Lewitt puts, puts this in his article as well. They're jailed. They are with an organization that they don't want to be in. So obviously, whenever there's social media obligations and whatever they have to do in terms of promoting the brand, they don't want to do it. And every fan will feel that in like interviews and and whatnot. 
So yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a weird thing. Um, this all coming after all of the drama that we had with the guards who released their roster just right after they um, uh, they won the Ascension tournament and going into VCT Americas. Um, and then all of the stuff that, that happened with Riot. I think that is what we also talked about on the last episode. Um, those players were now uh, picked up by G2 Esports. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 so weird. And to hear those things happening, like you know, from an organization like EG, which is around for such a long time. I, I remember StarCraft II coming out and then stars like Idra, the Muslim, and those guys playing for EG. Um, Huck as well playing for EG in StarCraft. And um, yeah, watching them. Legendary in control. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's, it's so weird to see an organization that is established like EG is doing something like that. Um, so yeah, apparently, again, the, the, the article says EG have turned down a number of increase for their players, which according to our sources meet the market value for Valorant players. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've all turned them down. Um, here's an, here's an interesting sentence and, and I think, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk five more minutes about that and then we're done with today's episode sorry if i'm stuttering in between or um if it's not flowing as it should be but yeah doing a podcast alone is <laughs> with with close to no pep- preparation apologies is, is somewhat hard i can i can only promise like next week will at least be a little bit more prepared and if zach is here it's gonna be easier as well and flowing much nicer but yeah um so the the second to last um, a second to last um, paragraph of the article reads while Valorant Esports is, so, is no stranger to some high buyouts those were mostly prior to the widespread esports market correction that is underway commonly referred to as the esports winter it also doesn't seem to make much sense to fight for higher amounts when all the indicators are that Peak 6 or EG are planning to exit like Peak Six is one of the in- investors, or like the the company behind EG, are planning to exit the esports space. A world championship winning team, currently EG's only one in the developer partnered league, would offer some additional value to any prospective buyers. Um, and yeah, the organization has been in upheaval the past few months after a series of embarrassing exposés. Both Chief People Officer Jessica Hammond and CEO Nicole LaPont Jameson left last month. Then the Director of, of, of Athletics, Andrew Barton, resigned to join LCS rivals FlyQuest. So yeah, it's it's kind of... Evil geniuses are like a major esport organization, it seems like, that is very much turning... A, turning heel, as they say in wrestling, but also... Uh, likely not necessarily existing anymore like really in the future because yeah some some things happening like most of their 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 staff that they had for years like uh, Andy Barton is um is a well-known name in esports um Nicole has been CEO for a few years now as well uh so yeah it um it's weird. 
it's weird. It it seems a little bit more like it's just financial decisions. Um, but if it's if it's just financial decisions, then you know, and if you're looking to just cut your losses, then I would at some point just take the buyout and not. Well, I'm 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 trying to think like how to put this. Um, honestly, I, look, I'm 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 just assuming, but it could be the case that there are some investors now who are somewhat steering the ship or who are dictating where the route goes, who have no idea in, about esports, who don't really care about what's happening in esports, and um, so yeah, they're just they're just looking to get out with as much money as possible and to sell. Um, but honestly, when, when they're not having the expertise, that gets hard and then things like this happen. So yeah, this is still some, some older news um, of what happened with EG and Valorant. And I don't think there has been a lot more news of like what is happening with the roster since uh, that came out. So like the news that I'm, that I'm looking at, um, I think they were like from yeah 23rd of September. So it's like five days old. Um, so I think this is going to like stay with us for like a, a good, a good couple of weeks until we know what is going to happen with EG's Valorant roster, but it also fits that there's a lot of other Valorant news happening left and right, like teams signing new players, um, and, and yeah, just a lot of roster changes. And I just hope that Zach is back in a couple of episodes, uh, or like next week and we can dedicate an entire episode to the Valorant roster changes that are happening. Other than that, um, that was it for today. Again, apologies if this was a little bit out of flow, but yeah, I'm just glad that we have the podcast, that we have the podcast back, looking to get some more regular, like regularity. Let's just have it up regular, you know, once a week um, on Wednesday again. And uh, yeah, take everything from there. There's also potentially if, like I have no idea how Zach's work situation will will go in the next couple of weeks. So there might be some. I thought about some filler topics that I'm gonna do. Um, well, potentially just talk more business stuff in esports, such as oh, what are the the most important things that you have to remember if you want to apply for a job within esports, or maybe even some other spotlights. I'll also try in to bring some other guests. So it's not just me talking all the time and you don't have to only listen to my annoying voice but yeah we'll we'll see about that um if you made it this far thank you very much for listening uh you can find us or you can write in your questions uh via email to info at forge dash the or like dash the minus symbol so info at forge dash podcast.com i hope to um, have you again as uh, as our guest in the next one. I hope Zach is back then. And then see you until then. Cheerio.